morning. All right. I'm looking forward to a great time together in the next few minutes. Today is Food Truck Sunday. It is going to be a great day now that you are here. And this is the best looking group out of all of the other services. I'm telling you what, you guys look way better than the last service. Just way better. Don't tell them. Shh, don't tell them. But you guys look amazing. You look good. Touch your neighbor and say, you look good. You look really good. Really good. Now touch your neighbor and say, but I look better though. I just look better. <laughs> you look good, but I just look better. I'm glad that you are here. It's going to be a great time together. Sit back, relax. It's going to be a good time. The next 20 minutes. We're going to look at God's word. He's going to share some things with us this morning. Uh, any rowers in the house? You like to row, row a boat. Uh, anybody in the house, you like to go on boats? Any, you like boats? Uh, anybody been on a cruise, cruise, cruise? A few, a few of you, there we go. I like boats. I've been on a few. Uh, when uh, scuba diving, you have to get on a boat to go do that and uh, take it out of the ocean. And then they dump you off in the middle of the ocean. And I got all suited up, ready to go. And they were like, who's going first? And everybody pointed at me. And I was like, this is how I die. Jaws is down there waiting for a skinny old white dude, and I'm going to jump over, and I'm not even going to make it to the water. He's just saying, I've seen Shark Week. You're laughing at me. I've seen, you see him come out of the water. That's exactly how you die. That's, that's how it ends. I was the first one in there, but I didn't die. Just in case you were wondering, I didn't die. Wow. You guys look good, but you're not be, maybe you're not all there yet. Oh, my goodness. We need some help this morning. Need an extra coffee. It's okay. It, I'll, I'll get you guys there. We'll get warmed up. And, uh, but when it comes to boats, I like boats. And my wife and I, when we first got married in 2009, we were going to have our first married vacation. And, you know, we, we were having a great year. We got married. So we were gonna like, hey, where, where should we go for our first married vacation? And so what we decided was, hey, we have a happy marriage. Let's go to the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. And I'll tell you what. It wasn't that happy. <laughs> you say, why? I looked at all these parents have kids, and I've seen you parents, and I've been there too, and Mickey's holding your kid, and you're like, Mickey, you can have him if you want him. Like, I will leave him here with you, and uh, I'll, just, I'll just walk away. I grew up in a family of nine, so whenever my parents left a child, which they did, I don't think it was an accident. I think they were like, we can make more. Come on, let's go. You know, and I would just, they would leave a couple kids every now and then, but we were at Disneyland, and we're walking around the middle of Disneyland. They got this place, and it's called the rivers of America. Anybody ever been to Disneyland? You've seen the rivers of America. And as we were going, this 2009, they don't have it right now. They're working on the new Star Wars area. But in 2009, they had these canoes that you could get in. And Jane and I are walking around. We're seeing everybody. And it's so I- idyllic. And they're just walking around. It's a beautiful, sunny day. And they're just in a canoe, just, just paddling, just enjoying the day. Just, just gently paddling down. And I was like, babe, that looks fun. She was like, yeah, that does look pretty fun. And then they got, they don't call them employees. They call them cast members. And then they're cast members cracking jokes. They're having a good time. You know, you ever been on the Jungle Cruise? And the lady's like, you could take a picture of the elephant. They have their trunks on. <laughs> they have their trunk. No, no, it's taking a while. Um, and so, you know, she's telling these jokes and then the canoe pulls up. We're in line. We're like, we're getting into the canoe. It's going to be a good little trip, you know. And uh, as soon as we sit down and get situated, the nice cast member gets up and gets off. A new cast member gets on, reached in her pocket, pulls out a sweatband. I was like, oh, Lord Almighty, help us. And she was like, the last group was a bunch of sissies, but I don't see sissies on my canoe. I was like, I want off. I tried to get up. She's like, you were on my canoe. You sit your little rear end down. So I just sat down. And you want to know what a picture of what she looks like? She looked like this lady right up here. This is what she looked like. That's, that's, that was my cast member. I was like, my goodness. And then we started rowing. And man, she was like, row, 
row, row, row, row. And I'm rowing, I'm rowing, and I'm rowing, and I'm rowing. And then I'm like working really hard. And then she pulls out a whistle. Who gave this woman a whistle? She's like blowing her whistle. And I'm like rowing and rowing. And then look behind me. My wife is laughing because she ain't doing jack. She's got her canoe. She's laughing at me. And and then I look back. Nobody's rowing. I'm the only one rowing this canoe. And then I thought of that old nursery rhyme. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Help me finish it. Life is but a dream. Except that it isn't sometimes. Sometimes you wake up and your dream is actually a nightmare. You're like, this is not how I plan my life. This is not what I imagined. This is not what I wanted. The dream is now a nightmare. The dream has turned into despair and disillusionment. And you're waking up to the fact that this is not all that I hoped it would be. All that I prayed that it could be. My life is not a dream. My relationships are not a dream. 2008 happened. I lost my house. I was supposed to get the job. I was supposed to get promoted. And all of a sudden you're looking back and you're saying, what happened to the dream of life. And this morning we're going to meet a woman in John 4 and that's her story. She starts her life with high hopes and big dreams and we're going to find where she ends up. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter number four. We're going to look at a few verses together. If you don't, the scripture will be up on the screen and we can read it out, uh, out together. And I'll read it out loud for you. The Bible, this is Jesus speaking in verse number four. He says, now he had to go through Samaria. This is very puzzling because Jesus is a Jew and Jews don't go through Samaria. They go around Samaria. You say, why? Because the Jews didn't care for the Samaritans. They were, uh, they weren't, uh, full Jewish. They had uh, mixed relationships. And so their bloodline wasn't exactly like the others. And so the Jews avoided them. But yet Jesus said, I got to go over there. I have to go there. One translation says, I must need go there. So Jesus goes to Samaria and he sits by a well while his disciples go into town to buy some food. Verse number five, the Bible says, so he came into town called Samaria, called Sychar, near the plot of ground of Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? That's a great question this morning. I think it's a profound question. You see, this morning, many of us, we woke up and the very first interaction we had was with water. You turned on the faucet, you brushed your teeth. You turned on the shower, you took a shower. You went to the restroom, you got some water, you made your coffee. You got some water and took a drink. You've had a lot of interaction with water. Your body is 65% water. This planet is three-fourths of it is covered in water. A tomato has 95% water. Water's everywhere. You can go days without food, but you can only go a few days without water. You and I need water. Water is necessary to our survival. But yet today there are 663 million 
people who do not have access to clean water. That's twice the population of the United States. And because of that 663 million people that do not have access to clean water, 15,000 of them die per week because they don't have access to clean water because the water they have access to has diseases. It has, has things in it that are unhealthy and that can kill them. But yet it's either die of dehydration or die slower, or maybe hopefully your body can fight off the disease. Today, we do have a dehydration problem. We do have a water problem. It's a spiritual water problem. You and I, we're tired of searching for water. We're tired of searching for, for something that'll help our thirst. And so we start looking for it in other ways, don't we? Sometimes we'll try to find that longing that fills us and we'll look for it in substance or we'll look for it in relationships We'll look for it in a career. We'll look for it in the type of status that we have, how many likes we get on Insta or how many followers we have on Facebook. And we look at our life and we're trying to fill the void. And so we hop from relationship to relationship, career to career. And we, one thing after another, why we're trying to fill the void that's inside. It's like a man or a woman trapped in the ocean on a life raft and they're there and they're dying of dehydration. All around them is water, but they can't drink in it. And you're surrounded by water, but none of it is drinkable. And this morning you're saying, I, I, I'm trying here. I'm trying to fill the void. And this woman, she was trying to fill the void. You say, how do we know that she was trying to fill the void? You see, this woman, she's dehydrated. And Jesus starts to have a conversation with her. In verse number 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's tired of this too. She's tired of having to come and to the well. It's uh, the average person today, today will spend four hours to get water in some parts of the world. Four hours. I don't know about you, but you didn't go out to your backyard and I got to pump some water this morning. You didn't have to do that. You and I, we just walked into our kitchen. We turned the knob and out came water. You walked into your bathroom. You turned the knob and out came water. You walked into your shower, your tub, and out came water. You can go to your front yard or your backyard. You have a spick and you turn it on and there's water. My parents had the great idea of moving to Fresno. We came from the Bay Area. I was born in Santa Clara. They decided to move to Fresno. And then they didn't care for Fresno. Nobody likes Fresno. And then they decided, let's go to Madera. There's only one place worse than Fresno. It's Madeira, and they chose that place. Do you see the progression of my family? They decided to buy a couple acres and build the house that they couldn't have in the Bay Area. So they go and they build this house, but on this house, you couldn't just hook up to the sewer and water because they decided to be on the east side of Madeira, which is the Madeira Ranchos, which means they bought two acres. There's no plumbing out there, so you got to dig a well. I kid you not. We dug a well. I didn't dig it, but we had to have somebody dig a well. I was five, okay? It's like, Daddy, I got some dirt. I'm digging. You know, it was just, well, I wasn't much help, all right? So they dug a well, and man, they sunk that well down. And I kid you not, for the first couple of weeks and months, it was great. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, the well ran dry. It poured, the water doesn't run out. You know, it was one of those moments, okay? The sand comes out, you know? You're getting a drink, nothing but sand, you know? And uh, it wasn't sand, it's just nothing, nothing. So my parents are like, what's going on with the well? Directly behind us, our neighbor behind us, we were like, man, does he have water? So we kind of peeked over his fence. Do you know what our neighbor behind us had? A pool. You say, what happened? There's underground rivers underground, right? And our well sunk into that underground river, but he beat us upstream and he sunk into the same river, except when he put in the pool, he sucked all the water out of the ground. So we didn't have any water. 
So as I'm looking for water, crawling, water. And he's out there just like, you know, one of those. You know, this pool just lounging around. I was like, I hate you. You know, chapped lips and everything, sunburnt and everything. And water's important to us. But more important than physical water is that spiritual water. That'll take care of the missing hole that's in our heart. And this woman, she's looking, she's searching. And Jesus has a conversation and Jesus tells her, Go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What have you just said is quite true. Isn't this kind of messed up of Jesus? I mean, you don't just go up to somebody and say, hey, I know you've been in and out of a lot of relationships. Which one are you in now? What's this? Number six, number seven. That's not very polite. But here's the thing. Jesus is not trying to expose her. He's trying to get her to experience something. My prayers today is that you experience something. I'm not just trying to expose sin. I'm trying to say there's a deeper experience because God wants you to find true satisfaction. You see, many of you, you're looking for satisfaction and it's a secret. It's a mystery to you. You're trying everything. I mean, just Friday night, you tried something else and it didn't satisfy. You tried a different relationship, different girl, different guy, different substance, different career. You're just bouncing around trying to fill the void, trying to fill the void, trying to fill the void. And nothing's working. And you're searching, you're looking, and you're tired of it. You're kind of like the Bono song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And that's just the story of your life. It's kind of like this, fellas, when we go out uh, and we take our girl with us to go out to eat and we're like, hey, let's go out to eat. And we look over and we say, hey, what would you like? And what do they always say? You pick. And you're like, great, this is a setup. I know how this goes. And you're like, okay, chilies. And she's like, nah, that gives me gas. You know, and, it just, and they, they don't want it. You're like, okay, let's do Maggiano's. Nah, it's too expensive. You're like, okay, McDonald's. Oh, really? I'm only worth McDonald's? I don't want to go. Fine, let's just stay home. You're like, how did this turn into an argument? How did this escalate so quickly? Like, like I wasn't. I was just trying to. So here's what I've realized. I've realized that I now ask her, hey, what do you think I want? And she'll be like, I think you want Cheesecake Factory. Wow, I want Cheesecake. I want Cheesecake Factory. Just know, guys, whenever you're going out to eat with your girl, you're not there to eat. You're there as company. That's your role. And when she looks at the menu and she sees two or three items, you order the other one that she would have gotten. And then you give it to her, okay? And you take whatever leftovers home, and that's her lunch tomorrow. You don't get to take that to work. That's hers. Both meals are hers. That's a happy marriage. You're welcome. Let's go eat. Just kidding. And then she says, how about we share some cheesecake? And you're like, here it goes again. Yes, let's share cheesecake. And you get the cheesecake. She scrapes off the cream. She puts it on your plate and she takes the cheesecake and she eats the cheesecake. But then she gets to tell her friends, yeah, we shared cheesecake. It was really sweet. We're really cool. Good couple, you know. And, and you're just like, yeah, we shared cheesecake. I got the cream on the top. You know, that's what I, that's what I got. All right. And so that's, that's kind of how it works. But they don't always know what they want. And here's this woman. Jesus is saying, hey, you've been trying to fill the void. Husband after husband after husband after husband after husband. And that's kind of like you and I. We're looking for this, this life-giving water, this living water, and we can't find it. We're wondering, God, where is it? And it seems like it's a secret, but it's not a secret. This morning, I'm going to tell you the secret to satisfaction. That's what this morning's all about. What is the secret of satisfaction? Now, anybody here, you're good at keeping a secret. I just want to see your hands. I just want to see your hands. There we go. A few of you are good at keeping secrets. I'm terrible at keeping a secret. You tell me, I will tell the person you said they can't know this. I'll just tell them. 
Like, don't invite me to a surprise birthday party. I'll jump out too soon or I'll text that person. Like somebody text me for my surprise birthday party. And uh, they just, hey, your surprise birthday party. You know, I just, just, just things like that happen. I'm terrible at keeping secrets. I can't keep a secret. So don't tell me a secret. But Jesus is going to reveal the secret. He's, he's going to tell us what's the secret to satisfaction. This is what we're all looking for. This is what the world is looking for. You say, how do you know? Why is antidepressants on the rise? Why is suicide on the rise? Because we're looking and we're saying it's hopeless. We've tried everything and nothing is satisfying. And we're trying to satisfy the thirst, the hunger, the, the craving inside. And this woman, she's tried person after person after person. But at least that's what I thought she was doing. But then wait a minute. This is the 21st century. She was way back thousands of years ago. Nowadays, a woman can divorce a husband. If he's cheating on her or if he's beating her, she can go and file for divorce. But not so in this time. You couldn't just go to the court and say, hey, my husband's cheating on me. He's, uh, he's doing all this. No, polygamy was legal back then. So you couldn't do that. Um, oh, oh, well, my husband's abusing me. You know, you couldn't do that because women couldn't even vote. In a court of law, they couldn't, they, 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 their, their representation didn't even count in a court of law. You see, here's how it worked. There was livestock and children were on the same level. And then just above the children and livestock was women. That's how they were treated. So the fact that Jesus is talking to her, acknowledging her, here's this woman. It's not the fact that she's had different husbands. It's the fact that husbands have left her. It's the fact that she's been rejected. It's not that she's rejected others. It's that she's been rejected. Not just once, not just twice, not three times, not four, five times. And then the guy she's with has commitment issues. Lord have mercy, man. Some of the women are like, yes, that's today. Preach it. Men have commitment issues. And so here's this guy. He doesn't want to commit to it. He doesn't want to put a ring on it. And so here she is. She's just like, what do I do? She's frustrated. The dream is now a nightmare. It's a disaster. And here she is. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus receives the rejected. Jesus was there waiting for. But here's the thing. This woman doesn't have a name. This woman doesn't have a name. We don't know who this name person is, but Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. What does that tell us? Jesus knows the unknown. You're saying, I feel unknown this morning. I feel unloved. I feel unworthy. I feel like nobody notices me. I feel like, man, I'm just out there by myself. I get passed over for promotion. I get passed over my family. I don't feel like my husband. I don't feel like my wife. I don't feel like my children. I don't feel like anybody notices me. I'm just like this wallflower and nobody pays me any attention. And I just feel alone and isolated. Does anybody know me? And I'm here to tell you, Jesus knows the unknown and Jesus receives the rejected. So wherever you find yourself this morning, know that Jesus is watching. Jesus cares. Jesus is giving hope. Here's a woman and she's not an outcast. She was cast out. It's not her fault. Everybody else rejected her. And so now she comes to the well when nobody else is there. You could just imagine her pain. And she meets this man, Jesus. Here's a woman that has, is dehydrated. But then she makes, this woman makes an incredible discovery. You say, what is that discovery? This woman realizes who she's talking to. This is not just a man. Notice if you would, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus has not told anybody who he is. Matter of fact, Jesus would do a miracle and he would tell everybody, shh, don't tell anybody that I'm Jesus, that I have his power. It's what he would do. This is the first person that Jesus does what I'm about to read to you. He says this, 
then Jesus declared, he didn't just say it, he declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am. The I am statement. That's what God used for Moses in Exodus. I am. And Jesus uses the same term. And we would see this woman, she makes this incredible discovery. But as soon as she hears it, what does she do? Instead of falling down and say, wow, this is God. I got to worship him. She starts, something's happened in her heart, actually. So she, she, she can't receive it. And some of you, God's speaking right now to your heart. And God's getting a hold of you saying, hey, you've been chasing things. You've been looking for things. And it's time to come to Jesus. But instead of you wanting to come to Jesus and surrender to Jesus, you're fighting against the Holy Spirit working in your heart. He's working right now. And you don't want to accept and You don't want to receive that living water. And instead, you know what she talked about? She talked about race. She was like, hey, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We shouldn't be talking. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm not bound by any boundaries. I'm God. I'm not limited by any laws. I wrote the law. Jesus is like, this doesn't apply to me. I can talk to whoever I want because what you need to hear is so important. And so she starts using race, but she doesn't just stop there. She starts giving reasons. She starts giving reasons why they shouldn't be talking. And she starts saying, hey, I've been divorced. I'm not lovable. There's nothing that you would want. And Jesus is like, I don't care about the reasons. And then she even goes on to religion. She says, you guys in Jerusalem, you worship at Mount Zion, which is where Abraham offered up Isaac. But we worship at Mount Gerizim. It's a different mountain. So she's a spiritual person. I meet a lot of people today. They'll tell me they're spiritual. And I'll say, okay, tell me about your spirituality. They're like, well, I do yoga. I was like, well, okay. All right. That's good. You're flexible and you're spiritual. Excellent. Good on you. That's great. But what about this living water? Is it satisfying? They're like, no, I keep having to go back. I don't, I don't feel satisfied. They're spiritual and they're looking for spirituality, but they haven't found it. And she was looking for religion. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. That's all religion is. And some of you, you're thinking, man, if I'm just good enough, if I just do enough good deeds, then I'll make it to heaven. Can I tell you what? My daddy's a pastor. My daddy planted churches. And for a long time, for years and years, I thought I was going to heaven because of what my daddy did. Guess what? I have news for you. That news hit me. Guess it doesn't matter what my daddy did. Because guess what? Our decisions are what define us. And so the decision that I had to make was, am I going to receive or reject Jesus? That's the decision I had to make. It's a decision you have to make. But as soon as Jesus gets through all of her stonewalling, the race and the reasons of religion, the Bible says that Jesus said, I'm he, I'm the one you're looking for. And then I love this in verse 28. The Bible says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And the townspeople were probably like, oh, I bet there's a man who knows everything about you. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine that. But I go back because the Bible says that she dropped her water bottle. She dropped her bucket, that thing that provided everything that she needed. She was coming to the well and she didn't realize that there was a well sitting on a well, a much deeper well, a well that would never run dry, a well that would satisfy, a well that would meet her. All her friends can do what they want to do on a Friday night. They can drink, they can smoke, they can do their thing, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And she, all in that moment, she realized I'm talking to Jesus and she drops the bucket. She says, I don't need it anymore. I found something deeper. And this morning, my prayer is that you would find something deeper that you don't have to search on a Friday night. You don't have to search on a Saturday night. You don't have to search online for that person or that thing. You don't have to buy that, that you understand I've got the living water. It's inside of me. And I drank from that. And I can drop my bucket now because I've got Jesus and that's all I need. And that's our prayer for you. But I want you to hear from Sean Kemp and how this can really... Come to a head for you. Let's watch this short clip. 
So I'm laying there mangled on the side of the road in a pool of my own blood, head swelling and my, my head split open after drinking all day and eating morphine for a They month. said they would operate, but I wasn't supposed to recover. The kid's not going to live. I wasn't supposed to open my eyes. I'm not supposed to be here. I grew up here in the Kansas City area, one of the suburbs of Kansas City. Typical kid, I rode my bicycle all over town with my friends. As a teenager, I started getting active in a, in a church with some friends of mine in their youth group there on Wednesday nights. I was reading my Bible and praying and had a real active relationship with the living God. And it was, it was real. And then something happened when I was in my late teens. There seemed to be something, something better. Not a, not a particular event, but just I was being, I was being drawn away. No, oh, no, over here it's nice. Check this out. My other friends and the world had so much more to offer than the church did. See, see what he's got. You could have that. I bought into the deception that there was something better, and I went after it. Drugs. One of these days, I'm going to change my evil ways. Lose, but not today, because that glass is still full. Women. And that girl's looking fine, so I'm going to finish this whiskey and see what she's doing. Why wouldn't I want that? I chased it 100 miles an hour. You know, if one's good, two's got to be better. Years and years. And if two's better, then do some more. Chased it for years. When I was 21, I started drinking pretty heavily. We went out drinking every day. You know, if it's a day in with a Y, it's a day to get drunk. One day back in, back in 01, I was hanging out with a friend of mine. We got together that night like we did every night. To go drinking, and I got a phone call. To head off to my next destination, and I was out. I was out the door. I watched him try to get on his motorcycle, and I immediately saw him drop the bike because he was so drunk. He tried to talk me out of going. Came outside and tried to take my keys, and we argued about it. He snatched them out of my hand, got on his bike again. And he started it up and tore off down the street. I never made it to my next destination. My buddy left the bar and found me. And he jumped out and ran to my body where I was convulsing and laying in a pool of my own blood. My head swelling and my, my head split open. I called 911. The ambulance showed up. The doctor said they would operate, but kid's not going to live. And they removed four by six by six centimeters from my front temporal lobe. If he does live, he might, he might make it a month. I mean, I was tore up. If he makes it a month, he's going to be a vegetable after that anyway. He wouldn't be able to walk or talk. So my family, my friends waited in the hospital room for Shane to die. They had all my, my body parts donated, and they waited. And they found a place to put me and waited in a gravesite for me. I wasn't supposed to recover. I wasn't supposed to open my eyes. I wasn't supposed to talk ever again. One day there in the hospital, a friend of my dad's came in, and he, he had a prayer. He wanted to pray for me, so he gathered up some folks, and they circled around the bed that I was laying in, and he prayed. This guy was saying, you know, oh, great God in heaven, we have a situation here at St. Luke's Hospital. We need you to go down this hall and fix this kid that's broken in such a way that no man can put him back together. And by the way, we need him fixed before tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
a friend of mine agreed with that prayer, and the next day I woke up. They kept saying, it's a miracle. The nurses and the, the doctors were going crazy. I agreed. It was a miracle. I wasn't supposed to wake up or move my hands or be hungry, but I was. A couple of days later, they had to kick him out of ICU. They sent me down to a rehab hospital where I continue to get better. And I remember going to the chapel at the rehab hospital, and I remember getting down on the, on the little altar there in front of the pew, and I just said, God, won't you take this life back? I've done a piss-poor job with it. You can have it, because I can't do it I can't do it myself. I pray that in Jesus' name. He took that life back, and he gave me a new life. I was almost destroyed, but now I have abundant life. I've been sober for almost 10 years. I don't have the void in my life that I was trying to fill for so many years. You don't know life if you don't know Jesus. It's about that rich life you can have now on earth in fellowship with him, the creator of life, the author of life and love. My name is Shane Campy, and I am second. It's about that rich life that you can have now. What we're talking about is not just eternal life after the hereafter, something that will satisfy later. It's something for right now. It's something for this week. Today, I believe that God is speaking to you in this room. And I believe it's no accident that you're here. And it'd be real easy to just say, you know what, it's nothing. It's just, it's just nothing. That's, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you right now. And you can fake it and you can say, I'll wait later, but today is the moment. Why would you put this off? Why would you wait and hope that maybe, maybe something else will happen? Maybe God will speak to you again. There's no guarantee that God will speak to you again. There's no guarantee that he's going to keep on knocking at your heart's door saying, hey, let's do this. Today's the moment. You've ran. You've heard the message. It's time to say, you know what? I'm going to drop my bucket. And I want Jesus. I need him to wash away my sin. I can't do it. I want to receive him as my savior. I've been running. I've been trying so many things, and it's time to to go to God. There's two paths. There's your way and God's way. That's it. That's all there is. John 6, 35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we all stand? I want to invite you to give your life to Christ this morning. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask everybody to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. And we're going to give ourselves a moment. We're going to give those that are here that the Holy Spirit is talking. You said, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for something to happen. That voice you're hearing right now, that's God speaking to you. That's the creator of the universe. That's the one who made you. He's speaking to your heart. And today he's telling you, accept him. Today he's saying, would you open up your life to him? Would you quit trying everything else? Would you come to Jesus? So while everybody's heads are bowed and every eye is closed, it's just you and just me. I'm the only one that can see you. Would you say, hey, today I want to receive Jesus. That's my desire. That's what I want to do. Would you just slip up your hand so I could see it? Is that you? Is there anybody here? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. I see those hands all over. Praise God for that. Here's what I want to do. We're going to pray a prayer, but we're going to pray it out loud. You say, why are we going to pray this prayer out loud? Because we're going to pray it all together for the benefit of those that are coming to God for the first time and for those that are coming to God after a long time. The prayer will be in English and in Spanish. 
And you could just pray this prayer, and we're all going to pray it together out loud. We're going to pray it for the benefit of those that are coming to God for the first time and those that are coming back to God after a long time. Let's pray this together. Ready? Here we go. Dear God, today I want to leave my bucket and receive your living water. Please forgive me of my sins. I give up trying to fill the empty places of my life. Come into my life and give me a new and everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you pray that prayer? Would you slip up your hand? He said, I just prayed that prayer. Amen. Hold your hand up. We got a Bible for you. We got a gift for you. Ushers, you look for those hands. The ushers are going to come down. This is an amazing day. Let's clap. Let's celebrate. These people gave their life to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Keep your hands up for me just a moment longer. The ushers want to put something in your hand because today is a new day. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature. The new the new has come. The old desires are going to be gone. And God is going to come in and make you clean and make you new. That's what today is all about. Praise God for today. Let's sing and let's worship him.